0: What was it a few weeks ago? Sandra and I, you know, we did a sort of a, a tag team double act, uh, and we were talking about, you know, differences and all, all that sort of stuff um, is, is love enough and all that. Um, and one of the things, the other differences that we have in our life is our sort of um, uh, preferences in TV watching. <laughs> So my, mine's really dull. I like I like history programmes and I like documentaries and I like uh, you know serious films and and and, uh, and then, you know and the odd sort of silly ones. You know when when uh, can't remember who it was but you know would the guardian of so and so come up and I thought oh it's the guardians of the galaxy and it was just like oh that's excited but um, no it was pardon? and you know, and and there, that's where we do cross. And Sandra she really likes things like pointless, which is utterly pointless and celebrity pointless. Oh my goodness. Those questions are so easy. Um, uh, <coughs> uh, <laughs> yes, move on. <coughs> and then there's things like, you know, catchphrase. Uh, uh, you know, button. And then, and then uh, I'll not mention those ones. And then, uh, you know, she she also sits there and you know watches Mastermind, and you know she shouts at the telly when she gets one right with with Mastermind. And I'm sitting there going, "They can't hear you, darling." Uh, uh, and so, you know, I go off and I go off and do something different. And anyway, so just in a in in honouring my wife, having ridiculed her now, uh, then uh, not at all. Then uh, come just have my slide up, and this is the title of. Uh, so what what is it? What's the title of my talk today? Pardon? Pioneers. <laughs> you are all pioneers. Now, the reason I put that up there is—is—is—is is, 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 is silly, and I like silly. Uh, but actually, so you remember—you you you'll, you know, you, you'll forget most of your sermons unless you put them into practice. Because actually we're, we're designed by God to be experiential. We're, we're designed by God to experience him, not to learn about him. Because if what we're taught, we forget broadly. Yeah. Um, ask your children, they, they, um, uh, uh, or you know, talk to your parents and say, you know, mom, how much stuff did I remember of all the things that you taught me? we two things, in, you know, in 18 years, we we forget. But if we do it, if we put it into practice, we remember. We remember experiences, and big experiences, we never ever forget. Yeah. You know, just I'm, I just you know, uh, uh, what's the most embarrassing thing you've done? And it will the, all the feeling will come flooding back. What's the most embarrassing thing that you said to somebody? And it's just like, oh my goodness, and just, you know, you can feel the, the blood rushing up your faces to the, the, because we remember experiences. So I'm putting that up there just as a little thing to help us remember, because we are something very significant, which is we are a pioneering church. So what do pioneers? Do pioneers make a way where there is no way for others to follow? Um, you know, we don't do it for, for, for ourselves to say we were first and all that sort of stuff. And God gives us, and as individuals, God gives us specific things to pioneer and to push through for, for others to, to, uh, to follow. And it's not that, you know, uh, far from it that, you know, we, we have all things right as a church. Um, uh, we don't. Uh, far from it. But in certain things, in certain key little elements of the kingdom, God has given us keys, He's given us insight and things to run with. One of the things that we run with is that we are passionate about the presence of God. Go to lots and lots of different churches around the world and you don't see that. Do they enjoy the presence of God? Yes, of course, but they're not pushing and pioneering for it. They're pushing and pioneering for social justice, for example. Do we want social justice? Of course, but it's not one of the things that's maybe top of our particular agenda. So as you go around the world and you go down countries, uh, you'll see churches have very different flavors. Uh, Who's right, who's wrong? Wrong question. Put it all together and you get the fullness of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, you know, the thing that we are called to do, we need to do with some gusto, amen? Uh, we're called to be a prophetic church. Uh, uh, you've got to be slightly careful how you say that. Uh, not a pathetic church. Eh? Uh, we're very good at that sometimes. But uh, we're called to be a prophetic church. And what does a prophetic church do? It speaks out the heart of God. And it lives out the heart of God. Amen? So uh, I want to talk about just you know, one of the elements about uh, us uh, in our, you know, what is it that we're called to do? We, we are called to pioneer. Isn't that right? We're not called to be normal. Um, uh, One of the things, the other ones I was going to put up, uh, you know, so how would you do Pastor Jared uh, on, on pictures? Uh, hi, Vicky. Uh, uh, we, what, we were going to do Vicky Cooper as well, but I thought Vicky's going to be here, but Pastor's not here. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, we, so, when the when, when the cat's away, the mice will play. Uh, the only trouble is he listens to the recordings, but um, but time's gone and then he can't reach me. So it's fine. So Pastor Jarrett. So how would you do Pastor Jarrett? So you know, bowler pasta that would that would do, uh, and then jar, and then you needed odd, and it was just how how do you do how do you do odd? Uh, and then Sandra said, well, if you did rod for, you know, fishing rod and all the rest of it. And so we were going around all the different people in the church. Bancoli was very funny. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, you, you can you can do a lot. Anyway, I get off that topic. Right. <clears throat> so if we lose, lose that. Now, <clears throat> uh, for those, I watch these boring history programs. I mean, one of the things that's been flooding the channels at the moment is because it's the, fi- it's the 500th year of the Re- Reformation. Um, and if you go back and have a look at St. Martin Luther and you see, now, uh, 2017, 500 years ago, was a moment in the Reformation. The Reformation actually lasted for, you know, a significant period of time. Um, uh, but you know that when Martin Luther, who was a Catholic uh, uh, priest and a Catholic professor of doctrine, um, um, basically had enough, and it took his 97 theses, 95 theses, and st- stuck them on a cathedral door, which may or may not have happened, because, because actually, what, which was much more important, you had the printing press running at the same time, and he printed, or the people, his supporters, printed thousands upon thousands of these leaflets, and they went all across Europe, which, and there they they were essentially these complaints, these problems that he had with how the, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church was being run at the time. And I wanted to pick out two, and these were, most of them, the Catholic Church didn't have much of a bother with. Uh, really didn't, but there were two that really got uh, got them irritated. The first one, uh, that anything that isn't the grace and gift of God is a sin if it is used to appear right with God. So did you know that you can use your prayer life as a way of justifying yourself before God? I've just had a good prayer time, therefore I must be right with God. Martins, Luthers, and actually the Bibles stand on that. No, that's sin, because everything that you do falls short of the glory of God. There's only one thing that meets the glory of God, and that is the glory of God, and that is Jesus, and that is a free gift into your life. And so whether it be I'm having a good worship time, or I'm having a good prayer time, or I read my Bible lots today, it doesn't put you in better standing with God than if you had a didn't-read-my-Bible-at-all day is what Martin Luther said. And anything that you said, because what the Catholic Church was selling at the time was indulgences, which is, if you pay a lot of money, then your sin is forgiven, and you might get promoted from hell to purgatory, and purgatory is not in the Bible, or you might get promoted from purgatory, or your time in purgatory might get reduced, and all the rest of it. So uh, all these things were going on, and Martin Luther was really railing against that. So that was, you know, one of the things. Now, did that upset the Pope uh, uh, big time, because it was cutting back his his income, because he was selling uh, these things, and he wanted to uh, refurbish his church? Uh, Now the second one, and this is the one I want to talk about, is that Martin Luther said we are all priests. Um, The way uh, so the uh, the Mass was in Latin. Um, uh, How many people speak Latin? Two. So there would be out of this, let's say there's you know 220 people adults here this morning. There's two people, one percent of the population can speak Latin. Now, is it just you can speak one, you know, one Latin phrase? Uh, I don't know, but you know, the whole sermon would be conducted in Latin. So, you know, what was the point of sitting there and getting taught in Latin when you couldn't speak it? And so actually the priests had tremendous power over what people did and what they didn't do. And, uh, and uh, it was, and then what Martin Luther said, he said, no, because actually what scripture teaches is every single one of us has now got right relationship with, with the Father through Jesus Christ. And every single one of us is called to be a priest. Every single one of us, and so what's the purpose of the priest? As it was, it's not that. And actually, this is totally wrong. And everyone should have that um, that uh, recognition that they are there are no equal, there are only equals before God. There are none better than others. That really irritated um, uh, the Pope at that time because it was a, a challenge to his his power. Now the enemy, the devil, wants to go back to that place where there are only a few people who are commissioned to do anything in the kingdom. Where Jesus wants to take us to is where everybody is commissioned to do something in the kingdom. Amen? Now the really good thing is that you as an individual is part of that collective called everybody. Now that's what qualifies you, and the fact that you love Jesus, for actually doing amazing things. Amen? Just turn to your neighbor and say, you can do amazing things. Now, it's much harder to say to yourself, I can do amazing things, because it's easier for us to believe that God can do miracles through our neighbor, isn't it? So if we're all called to be priests, you know, and very quickly, priests do three things. Uh, Priests minister to God, isn't that right? priests minister to the body, and priests minister to the world. So we bring, uh, we bring the world and the people to God. We bring God uh, to the people. So we speak encouragement. We speak the heart of God to one another. And then we actually take the heart of God to the world. Isn't that right? And that's, what every, that's the job of every single one of us. And what do we cause a church to do is to pioneer that. Um, uh, one of the reasons I'm in this church is that this is a place where um, my uniqueness uh, is actually um, is is welcomed because my uniqueness, my odd thing is I'm really passionate about the church, but I'm really passionate about my workplace. In some churches, um, then, you know, I've been told you need to pack in your career and all that sort of stuff. And actually, you know, you're someone of, uh, you know, uh, a vague bit of uh, talent. Uh, uh, You know, you need to bring that to bear in the church. What you're doing is wasting your time in the workplace. Uh, And that's, you know, and it's taken me a long time to work it out. And and, uh, Prophet Lady really helped with that. But actually, I'm called to do something in the workplace. And when you actually look at the book of Acts, the first half... Um, you, you see Paul, if you, see, if you just take Paul, there's obviously he's more than just sort of Paul demonstrated in Acts. You see in the first half of the book of Acts, him struggling and fighting with what's going on in the synagogues, and actually in the places of teaching and all the rest of it. He then says, I've had enough of this, I'm off to the Gentiles, and then he goes and preaches in the marketplace which is called the workplace, or the school place, or the hospital place, the place where normal business life takes place, normal work life, normal toing and froing takes place. He goes out to the marketplace, church explodes church explodes because there is a place of ministry for every single one of us that is in our neighborhood that is in with our next door neighbor that it is with little angels that is with in our workplace and it is with wherever we happen to go for a cup of tea that is the marketplace where jesus has said you be my priests and you go out and do the work of the gospel amen and the devil wants us to say, he wants us to 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 get. The devil wants us to get the lie that says you have no authority to go out. That's Jared's job, or that's uh, James's job. You know, James goes off and does prison ministry. That's really good. Well, you go and do that, James. Uh, makes me feel feel better that someone in our church is doing that. Off you go. I'll sit at home and survive the workplace. No, we're called the. Uh, uh, not to survive the workplace, but to overcome in the workplace. Amen? And that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm the most successful this out of the other, but I need to be in a place where I can actually live in peace in my workplace and speak out the love of heaven, because that's what a minister does. That's what a minister does. Doesn't Not out of grumpy and angry. If I'm up standing up here and speaking out of grumpy and angry, it doesn't come across very well. If I come out of a place of where I'm at peace with God, and God is at peace with me, and I can have all sorts of rubbish going on in my life, but if there's peace in here while the storm's going, then I can speak out life, yeah. amen? And that's my fundamental job in the workplace. In my, uh, so, uh, uh, so I'm you know, one of the, the senior managers at Smith & Nephew, and I sit in my office, um, and uh, uh, I pray in my office, uh, and, I, and I anoint it with the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And when people are coming in and they're going, you know, blah, 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 noise, noise, noise. And, and I, I have my listening face, which is ears off, uh, face on. And, and, and out comes the words, I understand. Hmm, must be very hard. Uh, yes, uh, so what do you think you should do? Excellent, off you go. Then, uh, 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 because actually what I'm listening for, and this is, this is, this is true, this, what I'm listening for is that little moment is that little moment where uh, where God steps in and says, this is it. And it doesn't happen in every conversation, but I'm, I've moved from a place where you know, I've been to Bible school in my life, um, uh, you know, chucked in my career, went off to America, uh, uh, lived in this tiny little flat with no furniture, with me and Sandra and baby Ruth, uh, and uh, you know, Bible school, come back, it's gonna be this, you know, uh, revival's gonna come through, you know, me going to Bible school and coming back to church. It wasn't gonna happen. That's what I felt. And it was gonna, then it was gonna be this, and then it was gonna be that, and then we're gonna set up our own Bible school, and then we're gonna be doing all the rest of it, and all that sort of stuff. Because, but it's all within the, the church environment. And then what God's really been saying to me, your most important ministry, Stuart McKinley, is in the place where you touch the world. Amen? And what is it that we need to do as a a pioneering church is to fan into flame that gift which says, I don't see my workplace, I don't see my neighbors as something that I need to survive, but it's a place where I want the word of God to thrive, where I want the life of God to thrive. And I'm looking for that magic little moment where God says, now. And I'm not, because I'm not trying to sit there, because I am paid, so I have given my time in exchange for money, so they own me. Smith and Nephew own me. So I'm going to behave in the way that Smith and Nephew wants because they've paid that, and so I'm going to honour that in in salary, and when I'm going to be there, I'm going to be the best employee that I possibly can. Because actually that's honouring to God as well. And where God is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. Uh, slight twisting, of a, uh, extending of a scriptural principle because it talks about really when Jesus has been crucified. But it's the same principle that when we lift God up, yeah. all men, he will draw all men to himself. So when I honor God in how I work and be the best employee that I can, he is lifted up. And then I see people coming to my office and they're going blah, blah, blah. And I'm, just, and I'm going, I understand, I understand. Not listening, not listening. And then there's something inside of me that just says listen just in that little moment, and there is just a thought there and there is a magic moment where God comes in and invades my workplace and invades their workplace and something of the glory of God is revealed. We're all called to do this. Uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, uh, says, says, what about all priests? So we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to... God. That's the New Testament promise, the principle that every single one of us, we are part of a royal priesthood. Uh, I think a royal priesthood better, sounds better than a standard priesthood, doesn't it? Now, actually, when you see it, it's a, it's been it's a principle in Scripture all all the way through. You see it in Exodus 19, um, uh, uh, verses 5 and 6. So this is uh, Old Testament. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, we, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. Now, we know with, the old, with um, uh, Israel, then it was the Levites were the priests, but that wasn't God's intention. God's intention was that the whole, the whole kingdom of, of Israel would be priests. You'd be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then what happens? Exodus 20 uh then, uh, uh then what you see at the, at the sort of just, so that's in Exodus 19, Exodus 20, then you actually see the people being afraid, and what do they say to Moses? They say to Moses, you go up the mountain yourself, we will stay at a distance, you speak to God, and then tell us what God thinks. And that is like the, that old-fashioned picture of what a priest does. But actually the invitation in Exodus 19 was no, God was saying I want you all to have that honored position of all of you essentially coming up the mountain, hearing what God says and coming back down the mountain and being essentially the ministers to the world. So God's intent has always been that we minister the love of heaven uh, to the world ever since uh, 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 those uh, Old Testament times. Also goes back into the very beginning of Genesis. And there is a lie that says you're not good enough. And we we harbor that that lie in, in, in our head. Um, uh, you know what uh uh in, in Cottingham, one of the things that's sort of quite nice about having a small church is to get to know everybody. Uh so you know, Remy, he he's amazing at telling people about Jesus. Uh uh, uh you're in. You're in sort of new people get spotted coming in uh, quite quickly at Cottingham, uh, and they, because how do you know they're a new person? Because Remy's on them. Uh, uh, there's just this, this flag, and then someone else steps in, and then someone else steps in. And Hazel it leaps on someone. Hazel sitting there, you know, saying that you know, she's you know she isn't to this and she isn't to that. She's amazing. Uh, she, she is amazing. She's wandering around into Cottingham, um, uh, uh, little sort of village square, town centre place, and she's grabbing people and pulling them into church. Uh, and, and she's telling them stories, and she's just been amazing. And then someone says, Not interested. Someone else says, Not interested. Someone else is Not interested. But she keeps going until she's got one. And then, you know, she pulls them in uh, like, uh, uh, like, like fish. Um, is, is Hazel, you know, the most experienced Christian we've got? No. But she's amazing. She's utterly amazing. She's got something of the heart that says, I know what it means to be a minister, a priest uh, uh, of the gospel. There's a lie that says you're not good enough. There's a lie that says you're not good enough. 2 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter, uh, chapter three. Verse six. He has made us competent he has made us, that's, that's a past tense thing. I'm an engineer, I did maths. Uh, uh, is that one of those past participle things? What's, what's, it, what's it? one of those? I don't know. Sandra loves English and all that sort of stuff. So he has made us, he has made us, I know that's in the past, that's enough. He's made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For this letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. He has made you already, if you have been a Christian for three and a half milliseconds, that's very short, then uh, if you've been a Christian for a very short period of time, he has already made you competent. Nothing to do, it all goes back to what I said right at the beginning. What did Martin Luther complain about? Things that said, this makes me competent. Things that says, this makes me a good Christian. I've got a prayer life, so therefore today, so I'm a good Christian today. No, you're a rubbish Christian every day. It's just you're forgiven every day, and you are equipped every day, you are gifted every day, you are graced every day, you are filled by his presence every day, and you are able to move mountains every day. Why? Because of Jesus, no no other reason at all. So he has made us competent as ministers. Uh, competent, sometimes we think, you know, competent, that's adequate. No, competent means fully complete. You are fully complete as a minister to go and do what God wants you to do. Yeah. We'll come on to that, what it, what it is. It's really easy, really easy, really, really easy. Basically tell stories. Now, how, how is church meant to work? And uh, I love boiling things re- really simple. Um, uh, when we started Cottingham, then uh, we thought, right, we'll take the Bible as our, as our basic teaching principle. So I tried, so what's the summary of the Bible? Google knows everything. So diddle diddle, what's the summary of the Bible? And then you get this and you think it dull, really boring, not, not short enough. And you go really short. What's really short? What's really short? What's really short? Basically I had to do it myself. So what's the, the real summary of the Bible? God loves the world. God loves the world. That's the summary of the Bible. God loves the world. So he sent Jesus. And Jesus so loved the world and came and uh, died and rose again and left because God so loved the world, he wanted what to happen next? The Holy Spirit to come. So God so loved the world that he wanted the Holy Spirit to come. And God so loved the world because he wanted the Holy Spirit to come to fill you. Because God so loved the world, he wanted to send you. So if you take just the logic of what happens, God so loved the world that he knew just Jesus couldn't reach seven billion people on the planet, he needed one billion Christians, or two billion Christians, or three billion, then five billion, then seven billion Christians to come around the world and preach the gospel in the fullness of who he is. God so loved the world that he needed you to be filled with his Holy Spirit, to love on Jesus, to accept him. That's the summary of the Bible. So, what's the summary of the church? Uh, So, Ephesians uh, four verse uh, eleven. So Christ Himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, uh, and broadly that's the people that stand at, at the front who or lead uh, uh, things in uh, in connect groups and all that sort of stuff to equip His people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until. We all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. That word knowledge actually means the knowledge that you know. So it's not just like knowledge that you know, it's knowledge that you really know. So if you've got knowledge that you know that people are healed when hands are laid on, then you know that because you know that you know that you know that because you've seen it and you've witnessed it and you bear testimony. I can know that that's a principle. Knowing that you know is a different thing. That's a knowing that you know word. So, in the faith and in the knowledge of the knowing that you know, the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the purpose, so Jared's got a really tough job so, if we just talk about Jared as being my uh, my uh, pastor, my minister, if you like, just make it very personal. So, um, uh, so if we could have Vicky down from to the front just to represent Jared. Sorry, Vicky, just joking. Then, um, <laughs> so if Jared was standing here, he's got mission impossible job. His job is to make me uh, uh, a pl- someone who can actually fit with full unity with everybody else. That's, that's pretty hard. And so that I can reach the full measure of Jesus Christ in me. That's his job. Ha! <laughs> Good luck with that one, Jared. His job, his, the, the job of the, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, uh, the prophets and the apostles, is to make you, Steve, utterly amazing. Yeah. That's their job. That's their job. So that what? So that he can be utterly amazing and sit there and just glow in the dark and, and hover uh, three feet off the ground. And, and, and A, to be very proud that he shines uh, in the morning. That he doesn't wake up with morning breath. He w- wakes up with minty breath. Uh, no, that, no that's not the purpose of that fivefold ministry, which is to make uh, you know, Steve nice and shiny so he can sit within church. This is what Jared was talking about last week. But yeast, yeast's purpose is not to stay in the pot. Yeast's purpose is to get chopped up in little bits and get sent everywhere and go and invade the places where you've got the dead ingredients of the flour uh, and, the, and the water and all the rest of it. What else goes into bread? salt, thank you, Uh, 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 and goes in there. And the yeast does what? It's the thing that turns it from something really dull and flat and turns it into something light and fluffy and yummy toast. And uh, uh, that's Steve's job, which is to go and invade your workplace and bring life in Jesus' name. Amen? Your job is to bring life wherever you are at. And he has already made you competent. He's already made you complete in what you need to do. And you can be sitting there thinking, "I can't do this." Yes, you can. It's really 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 easy because it's he's already done something in you. Amen. And then it's the it's the pastors and the preachers and the teachers' job to make you better and better and better and better at that. And uh, you've got a little bit of an accountability in it, but before heaven when you know come the end of all days God's going to line up there with all the pastors and the teachers and the apostles and, and said did you perfect my church he's not going to sit there and say Jared did you, did you evangelize Cottingham did you evangelize Beverly did you evangelize Hull Jared he's going to say Jared did you perfect that which I gave into your care and in the perfecting of that which he's got into our, our, our care is us it's us Our job is to go out and touch the world. Our job is to go out and be yeast in the world. Our job is to go out there and be salt and light in the world. Amen? It's not that the lie of the enemy is that it's not the pastor and the evangelist to go out and evangelize the world. It's the church. Amen? We are a kingdom of priests. Amen? Now, uh, uh, if we just go to uh, Matthew 5. Uh, so this is just talking to, to everybody. Uh, you are the light of the world. In, in Matthew 5 verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Amen? Or a church built on a hill cannot be hidden. Or a kingdom built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others. It doesn't say let the light of Jesus shine. It says let your light. Now it talks about, uh, Jesus talks about here two different places where you can put your light. You, you have, so what's talking about here. You have, the, you have heaven inside of you. You have the love of God inside of you. You have the presence of God Almighty through his Holy Spirit inside of you. Amen? And either I can take that, and that is, that, that my, he, Jesus is describing that as my light. And he says, I can choose to take that light and hide it under a bowl, or I can put it on a stand. And that, that image of that stand is a simple thing, it's called confidence. It's just called confidence. And the enemy you wants you to actually be what through ever what route, I'm not good enough, I'm fearful, I'm afraid, I'm whatever, to put what God has put inside of you and hide it under a bowl and then never let it out. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is actually to fan your confidence. And what the job of Jared and all the other guys at the front to do is to fan your confidence and to actually take what you are and stick it on a stand. Amen, and let your light shine before people, just whoever you happen to be around. That's your target audience. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, in the Bible, when God talks about good, who's good? God's good. It's one of those reserved words. The only thing that is good in the Bible is God. So these are your God deeds. Amen? Amen. Amen. You are a God deed. You, you are a thing that God has rescued and that God has enriched and God has done something utterly amazing with. <clears throat> uh, one Peter, and this is where it gets to, this is really, really easy. Each of us, uh, one Peter chapter four, from verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Uh, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Uh, Now the words of God, that's synonymous with power, with authority, with uh, those sorts of things. Uh, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so it, it in all things God may be praised. So there's a serving thing. Let's take the extreme. So we've got someone who's prophesying, and someone who's making a cup of tea. Okay. Now this person um, could be, you know, gifted by God for making tea. I'm making the the point to to uh, I'm stretching the point to make uh, to make it clear. We often sit there and think it's actually only the person that prophesies. That is really honoring God and bringing glory to God. Here, Peter's very clear. Doesn't matter whatever you have, if you are gifted to make lovely tea in service of others, it glorifies God in equal measure of that. So, in my workplace, um, you know, I've been having people coming into my office. So, I'm on a little bit of a mission over these last probably couple of years of actually bringing. The presence of God into my into my workplace, and so uh, um, sometimes it's just little words of encouragement. Sometimes it's this. Sometimes it's little, you know, God's wisdom on a on a work thing, Um, and then other times it's uh, uh, you know I'll not name names or anything, but uh, you know someone with a real um, struggling with depression. Um, uh, and then I started to tell stories of someone else uh, who you know, was struggling with uh, depression in, in, in the church here, and you know, you know, just talking with the person in the church here, what they were doing as they were going through it, then one of the anchors that they were using was altars. Um, so that you have a good day, and then rather than actually going all the way back down to a bad day, you would do what, um, what Abraham did uh, as he was wandering around, he'd build an altar, and then as he got lost, he'd wander back and bump into an altar and go, oh, I remember, this was a good place, this is where God blessed me. So building altars so that when you actually struggle and that you fall, you actually don't fall all the way back down again, you actually just fall to a place where you built your last altar. So today was a good day, and today was a good day because actually I put seven scriptures on my fridge and every time I went to my fridge I did that. So you create a little moment thing. And so I was sharing this uh, with, the, with this guy and saying, so I was telling someone else's story, this is what you do, how do you go and build some altars? So we then had a big theological discussion about what the Bible says about building altars and all this sort of stuff. He then built some altars in his life of uh, places of strength and all the rest of it. He's now completely, you know, through his, his um, battle with depression and all the rest of it, and he sits there and he talks about, when you talk to me about altars, that was the first thing that turned my life around. The next thing was, you know, um, uh, what's most important to you? What's your purpose in life? So we had a big conversation about purpose, and you can't do that without actually, you know, bringing God in it. And the reason I'm here, and all the rest of it, and blah blah blah. And uh, well, that's fine for you to, you know, you're a Christian, I'm, I'm not, I don't have that, but you can have that, and all this sort of stuff. And they said, and then it was like, so what's your next big purpose? Well, my next big purpose is that I'm a, a husband and I'm a father. Um, uh, and then this realization, he says, I'm abandoning my purpose. So we then had a whole bunch of you know, big long talks and coffees and, and all this sort of stuff on just telling stories about what it means to be a, hus- a husband and a, and a father. He describes those two things, alters and remembering your purpose as what got him through his depression. And, and so you know, it was, I was you know, really pushing those sort of things. And the, God, the thing that God's been really s- stressing to me now is the second part of that piece, In that scripture that we've just read, the first bit was, if you like, you know, here's that prophetic insight, here's this, and here's that. The second piece is actually just be who you're gifted to be. Um, uh, I've got, you know, a big passion about uh, uh, about a a father's love. Um, uh, You know, love is patient, love is kind. So one of my big things at the moment is to be Kind at work. And that's very much on just, it's just who God has gifted me to be. Because um, naturally, um, Sandra knows Stuart of old. Uh, Stuart of old wasn't maybe the kindest person. She might sit there and say, Stuart of today isn't the most kindest of person. Uh, but God is revealing something in me that He's kind, He's loving, He's patient. Uh, and he wants his nature expressed through his church wherever his church is found now amazingly you know we we we're, we're called to uh, not defend against the gates of hell we're called to go and attack the gates of hell amen gates of hell are fixed And when, you know, Jesus said to Peter, you know, upon this revelation uh, of of who I am, then the gates of hell will not prevail. You've got to go to the gates of hell for it to, otherwise, you know, it's because of the gates, if you've noticed, they're fixed uh, uh, as a location. So, you know, we're called to go and invade the enemy's territory, aren't we? Now, every single one of us is behind enemy lines. Every single one of us is behind enemy lines. Every single one of us are touching families and circumstances and schools and workplaces uh, where you can go in and bring glory to God. See God lifted up and he will draw all people to himself. Why? Just, Just being kind. So what's my ministry? My ministry is to be whatever God has gifted me to be. Amen? You are gifted You are amazing. You have the words of eternal life inside of you. You have encouragement inside of you. You have the spirit of God inside of you. And we are a pioneering church. And part of our ministry of a church is to equip everybody to go and be behind the enemy lines, being light, not under a bowl, but being held up on a place of confidence that says I know my God will minister today. Amen? i walk into my office every day at the moment, every day, and I expect God to move. And where I was, was I was expecting prophetic words and this, that and the other, and amazing conversations and people getting saved and all this sort of stuff, praying for their sake and, you know, and that was happening, wasn't That wasn't happening every day. But I was looking for that all the time, all the time, all the time. And God was saying, mm, "Just no, just this bit. Be who you are meant to be, and let the gift that I have put inside of you so whatever you are, just let it shine. Yeah. Just let it shine. Um, Remy is a far better evangelist than I, I can ever be. Yeah. He, he he can. But one um you know, if I talk about another doctor, Bancoli. When I uh, so uh, a few years ago, I broke nine ribs. Um, helicopter ride to, off, off to the hospital. Uh, all that sort of stuff. Uh, 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 my, my Angel Bancoli, uh, he, was, uh, he was there. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't floating. Uh, uh, but, you know, he didn't do enough. Uh, he, he might have done it in the background. I wasn't really paying attention. But, you know, it was just so nice, my friend being there. And, you know, and he was suggesting and connecting and, uh, and doing things. But, you know, he's a vascular surgeon, not a cardiothoracic, lots of broken bones surgeon. Uh, so he wasn't doing that, that side of things. But uh, I was talking to... Uh, so when, when they're putting an epidural in, because... Uh, uh, and talking to one of the nurses, and they were saying, "Oh, do you know Mr. Acamalafe?" And, and I said, "Yeah, yeah, we're you know we're church together and all the rest of it." And he said, "He's one of the nicest guys in this whole place." And I, I have no idea. And I said, "What do you mean?" He holds the door open for me. He holds the and. Suddenly, I, you know, I've, I've no idea who that lady was, or you know whether Bankoli knows her particularly well or not. But there was something just out of a little gift of kindness from Bancoli, because you know, in, in the in the medical world, the surgeons are you know held in, in very high regard, and you know, rightly so. But some, some surgeons, because we work with surgeons an awful lot in the work that I do, can be you know a, a tad arrogant. Uh, 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 none here, none here, none, none here. Uh, But, you know, uh, for someone, a stranger to say that, when, you know, I'm in in a whole pile of distress and she wanted to tell me um, and give glory to God for what, she wasn't using this language, she wanted to honor God for a little, tiny little bits of kindness because he holds the door open. He's thinking of others. Um, Even though he's a surgeon. Uh, he's, He's thinking of others. And he's letting the gift of God just shine out. You can be amazing wherever you find yourself. He has already made you competent as ministers in wherever you find yourself. And all you need is the confidence to say, I'm not under a bowl. I put me on a lampstand, and I am gonna let my light shine. In Jesus' name. Every single one of us is called to be just the gift that we are. If it's making fabulous tea, if it's holding the door open, if it's just being a little patient and a little bit kind with people, or it's prophesying, or it's praying with them, all the rest of it, and everything in between, we are just called to be the witnesses of the love of Jesus. Amen? Uh, I prophesy to people at work all the time, they just don't know it. Because the simplest part of prophecy is Revelation 19, where it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now I don't sit there and tell people stories all about and Jesus did that and Jesus did that and all the rest of it, I just tell stories. Um, uh, Remy tells brilliant stories, he goes off to open doors conferences comes back and it's this, that and the other and all of that, so all I do is nick Remy's stories (laughs) they're not even my stories but they are the stories of Jesus and I nick all of Remy's stories and I nick Jared's stories because they're funny and I nick Bancoli's stories and I I just nick my friends stories and and I make them my stories and I tell people stories And they don't know that I'm telling stories of the testimony of Jesus, but I believe that scripture that says when I tell stories about what Jesus has done, then the spirit of prophecy is released, amen? I prophesied to people all over the place because I just tell stories. I can't be a Remy evangelist, but I've worked it out. I can be a prophet because I can tell stories. And I tell you something else about our church. We are a prophetic church. Amen is every one of us a prophet no but we are a prophetic people we're going to speak forth the heart of heaven to the world in Jesus name amen so can you tell stories yes of course you can can you tell other people's stories probably even better than they told it of course you can can you be what you are gifted to be of course you can can you do it with a measure of boldness of course you can Church is really, really easy. Reaching out to the world is really, really easy. The devil tells you it's hard. It's really, really easy. Be who God has called you to be in your workplace and minister out of a place of peace. When you're all stressed out at work or you're all stressed out with the kids or you're all stressed out with this, that, and the other, very hard to flow in the things of God. If you can live and minister out of a place of peace, then the Holy Spirit you can, you can tune in and listen to the Holy Spirit. And so when you're sat there going, doing what I do, which is faces listening, ears aren't, I understand and all the rest of it, and you're just listening in and then God says, ah, this is a moment. Tell him a story. Amen.